Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're also coming to you live and on demand on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, CastBox, and I'm not going to name the rest of them because there's a lot of them. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. We sure do. Maria Blonde, who's a repeat guest on our show. I don't know how many years it's been since we've been on nine years. It's been a long time ago. I don't know. But (laughs) uh, she's doing something new. She has a new book out called Hearts Blooming Through Intuitive Mentoring. And she's an intuitive author and mentor. She inspires people to build better relationships with themselves and others through in-person and online collaborative circles. All funds raised through Hearts Blooming are donated directly to the heart in Haiti. Anyway, we're talking about creative caretaking. But before I get started, I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest. Addition specialists reveal similarities with caregiver relationships. David Marion and Dana Golden are the co-authors of Addiction Rescue. There's a lot of similarities between addiction and caregiving, believe it or not. Uh, the caregiving addict, right? <laughs> anyway, just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks I mentioned earlier. Okay, enough of that. Maria, <laughs> welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. It's wonderful to be here, Dave and Adrian. Thank you so much for hosting me. This is really exciting. Sure. Is there a Haiti school or a school in Haiti, or is that just the name of it? Oh, the Heart in Haiti School. It's a school we started in 2010 with our family after the earthquake in Haiti. So every year we add a grade and... All of the funds I raise for the work I do goes directly to sponsoring children to go to school there because they don't have any free public education. Well, it's not cheap to build a school, I would imagine, especially in Haiti. That's awesome. Good for you. And you add a grade every year, huh? (laughs) Yes, we're up to 11th grade, so two more to go until they graduate. (laughs) There were more people like you in the world, Maria. This world would be a wonderful place. Oh, thank you. Well, if if we each do our own part, then uh, we keep making the world a better place. I know, but we don't do our own parts, do we? <laughs> well, some of us are. We certainly are. <laughs> I know. They're few and far between. The vast majority just aren't doing their part. We need to, you know, I think uh, the problem isn't with 
uh, guns or with, you know, politicians. It's with the heart of man. We need like a revival of, of just empathy and sympathy. And uh, we need to change the hearts of men and women all over the world. And that, I think, would take care of it. Anyway, let's get started. I, I know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think we change hearts when we slow down and we think about things. So caregivers, you know, our lives are slowed down when we're yeah. working with people <clears throat> who have <clears throat> special gifts. And so we slow down. We look at the world from a different perspective. You know, my youngest brother, Evan, was at the level of a three-month-old his whole wow. life. And so, you know, when I see somebody in a wheelchair, I think, wow, you know, they can talk, they can move around, they can sit up by themselves, they can dress themselves. You know, I I just have a whole different perspective because my brother slowed us all down to realize how, how well our bodies work overall. And then, you know, when some abilities are taken away, then we offer new abilities um, and, and new perspectives. So everybody who we come into contact with is a gift and here to teach us something. Yes. And you're right. Uh, caregivers uh, are wonderful people who could change the world. If only they had time because they're so busy. caregiving. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife is in a wheelchair and uh, I envy her because her feet never get tired for walking a mile because she rolls a mile or spends five hours at the supermarket. I can't do that. I got to get in my own wheelchair. (laughs) Anyway, I'm on a lot of tangents today. Who are your supports for inspiration and creativity when you are caretaking? And what do you, why do you like the word caretaking as opposed to caregiving? Isn't it better to give than to take? (laughs) Oh, that's true. Caregiving is a great word. I like that. Yes. So, you know, there are times when caregiving, when I I just get stuck, I'm I'm not sure what the person that I'm working with wants, what they need. And I'm stuck. Uh, We we're like in a rut. And so what I'll do is I'll do some writing. I spend time in nature. I meditate. I, I connect in other ways and try to figure out how I can help them. I can share an example. Like there was this one, one young lady I worked with Rose and she has down syndrome and Mm. we would go out to eat. And she, you know, when you go to eat with somebody, I usually say, well, how is your, your meal? And she said, I don't want to talk about my food. And so (laughs) I said, Oh, you know, this is just what I do when I go out with people. I'm so sorry. Well, my my family, they can ask me questions about food, but not you. And so, you know, I was a bit offended by that. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I said, I really didn't mean to cause harm. And then she was like, oh, no, I hurt your feelings. <laughs> so it was this whole drama, you know. And I had gone home that night and I thought, gee, you know, I want us to get along. I don't know what happened here. And so I wrote her a poem and I sent her the poem and I didn't hear any response. I thought, oh, my goodness, she's still mad at me. (laughs) But then we went to the circle of support meeting and, you know, then we asked Rose what is working and, and what 
um, we could do differently. And she gets out the poem and she reads it and she says, this is what's working. And she read, <laughs> she read this poem that I had sent to her. Are you going to read it we to dance. us? Would you like me to read it? Yes, yes. We dance and sing, laugh and play, making the most of every day. We can garden, swim, dance, sing and hike, finding the perfect activity, no matter what the weather is like. <laughs> when there is difference, confusion or glum, we talk things out, knowing our best effort can be done. We agree on so much, most days we are one, bonded with love and joy, respect for the earth, and oh boy, do we have fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you know, oh, I, oh. I, that it, it got through to her and she, it was able to express how I still love her, even though we make mistakes some, you know, we don't get along always. And, and, you know, it's stressed all the ways that we do connect and that, mm -hmm. you know, there are always times when we're, we're not going to. So <laughs> yeah. I heard someone say just yesterday on the radio a talk show that uh, take criticisms with a grain of salt because everybody criticizes way too much. In fact, there's a famous criticism in the nursing home uh, industry where the uh, the patients, they're not patients, they're residents. The residents would say, when you ask them, well, how's the food? And they would say, ah, it stinks. And there's not enough of it. <laughs> Does it stink or is there not enough of it? You know, it contradicts each other. So who knows? Anyway, when, when you're not certain of how to handle a challenge with caretaking, what do you do? So when I'm not certain, I, I'll take a pause, try to figure out what to do. I'll, you know, write and see if we can do something different, something creative to break the mold of what we've been doing. And sometimes, you know, I need to connect with intuition because like my brother couldn't speak. And before he was getting ready to pass, and um, I just went, I, I like, it was like he was speaking to me. I just started crying. Mm. And, and then it was like he was telling me, he told me what to write for his celebration of life service. Really? Yeah. So I, it was, he wanted me to write and thank everybody. So sometimes things come intuitively to me, even if I can't speak to the person. Mm hmm and sometimes if I really stuck, then I have an intuitive teacher who can um, who can check in and see what's going on and give me some advice. So I, yeah. I reach out to all different resources when I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, you are and many women are very intuitive. They are the intuitive species of our human race. Um, I wanted to ask you and I forgot what I was going to ask you, but it'll come back to me. <sighs> I thought of another thing that, um, you know, sometimes when I'm stuck, I need to seek advice from other people. So each of the people I mentored had a circle of support. So what I've done is to create my own circle of supports where we get together, we share what's going on in our lives. And if we have a challenge we want help with, we share it with the group and then everybody offers feedback. 
So I, I think with challenges, the main thing is to not get stuck in a groove. Yeah. It's to be open to new ideas and keep looking at possibilities and and not think that there isn't a solution. Because whenever there's a challenge, there's always <laughs> a great solution. I mean, I was a math teacher, so I think I have that belief system. <laughs> All problems can be solved in one way or another. <laughs> yes, I, I remembered what I was going to ask. Um, does your brother or did your brother have the ability to communicate non-verbally like my wife can? I mean, she can't speak either, but uh, she is an excellent communicator. I, I only miss about 20% of what she's trying to say because she uses all the other faculties that she has and communication is about 80% nonverbal. Right. It, well, if you think about a three month old baby right. and they how communicate they communicate. Well too. So, you know, if, and our dog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could tell when he was upset um, when there was music he liked, he would so ah and make noises. So we could tell those kind of things and also watching his face. So, you know, if he looked like something was wrong, then we would know to, well, what is it? Is his position off? Does he need his diaper changed? So it's that kind of thing is to really watch him. And you're right. There are all different ways to communicate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we babysit our, our new great granddaughter, who's now 19 months old. And she also can't speak, of course. She knows a word here and there, just like my wife knows a word here and there. <laughs> but um, it is so, you know, it's been about 40 years since I've raised a little one that's been with me uh, a lot. And this one just lives down the block. So I see her more than I have seen other grandchildren that that were at that age. And so it's I, I'm just marveling at the the brain of a child that just learns and learns and learns. I mean, she can basically understand anything I say, which is amazing at 18 months. Uh, I have no memory at 18 months, but I, I told her, look behind you. And she looked behind you. You know, she knows all this stuff. I guess it's like learning a, a foreign language. You, you understand more than you can speak. And she, if she wants to do something or t take me somewhere, she'll grab me by the hand and pull me into another room. Or she'll, you know, bang on the window and she'll say, you know, bubbles, <laughs> bubbles. She wants to go in the jacuzzi. I mean, she just has a way of talking. And so I'm surrounded by three, um, I want to say people, but one of them is not a person. It's, it's a dog. <laughs> I'm surrounded by three entities who can't speak, the baby, my wife, and the dog. And I'm, I'm just marveling at how communication is so not verbal, you know? That's true. And also, you know, communication from you when our hearts are open and we are kind to people, people can feel that. Yeah. And so that's one of the most important parts of communication is to have our hearts open, to listen, to pay attention, to watch, and to let people know that we love them. Even if they can't reply, we can speak to them, we can sing to them, we can, we can play and go for walks. And there's so much that we can do to uplift people around us. Yeah. Adrian and I are both uh, optimistic people, but every now and then we come across someone who we are tempted to say, there's no hope for that person. I mean, I've tried <laughs> everything and I'm just giving up on them. But every time I hear myself say that, I say, no, you shouldn't give up on anybody. There's always hope. 
no matter how <clears throat> unlikely it is. <laughs> um, Adrian, am I right? Do you feel that way about some people? You, you, I've accepted yeah. at this point in my life, I can't change anyone. Yeah. You just have to know when to just live and let live and mm -hmm. accept the fact that, okay, this is not someone who wants help even. <laughs> so what do you do about when you're tempted to say there's no hope, Maria? Well, you know, I try to understand the situation. I, there was one young man on the autism spectrum I was working with, and his mom wanted him to learn math. And so since I was a math teacher, we were working on that. But, you know, like he was falling asleep. I was like falling asleep. It was just <laughs> so boring. It just didn't feel like what we should be doing together. Right. And so I was a little bit afraid to talk to his mom. So I talked to his dad and I said, you know, do you think we could work on, you know, BD? He loved being on the Internet and uh, making videos for his his feeds. I said, do you think we could work on like public speaking? And his dad said, sure, go for that. And so he ended up. Um, we made a, a, a pot, not um, a PowerPoint about his life and how he has done so well. You know, he okay. works, he That's lives on his own. Marvelous. And he, you know, did the PowerPoint. He spoke to a group of people. He spoke to actually young educators at the college and shared his journey so, you know, when we didn't know what to do and we're both falling asleep, we decided to choose another path. <laughs> it, 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 it seems to me though that has to do with confidence. You know, if, if you're in, in an area that's, that's your wheelhouse, like his videos, <clears throat> he came alive, you know. Yes. Versus the math. <laughs> yes, he came alive and he was... He's very determined to keep going if he thinks that that's what he's supposed to do. And he would have kept going. But when we changed paths, then it was more aligned with his passion. And that he opened up and, and then it was amazing. And we did tell his, his mom, actually, when she was reading the stories for the book, she's like, I didn't realize that. And she was laughing. You were afraid of me. <laughs> Well, but yeah, of. sometimes we're afraid to make a change, and and but when we do, then amazing things can happen. Well, speaking of challenging, what's the most challenging thing that you've come across? You know, the most challenging thing I came across was being excluded from a circle of support meeting with one of the people I mentored because we were doing such great things during the pandemic. At, I had taught him Qigong and then he actually was teaching it back to me, but there was some <clears throat> issue that the um, parent didn't want me included in the meetings. So I was like, you know, what's wrong with me Why to include me. And what I ended up doing was I wrote uh, the person I was mentoring, David and I, we wrote up the things that we were doing that the circle of support Dean didn't know. 
and we sent it to the whole circle so they could be informed about what we were doing. And so, I mean, that was hard to get past, you know, my hurt feelings. But then when this idea came up that really what I wanted was to be able to express the cool things we were doing so they knew as much about David and and how he was progressing so well. So that was a, a big challenge that we ended up working through. Do, do you think they were afraid that your being at the meeting might inhibit him from expressing himself? Oh, no, I, I, not at all. It had to do with money owed to me. Uh, and it was, yeah, uh, yeah. So okay. it was nothing to do with that. He comes, he's always come alive with me. That's yeah. Good. Money. It's yeah. always about money, isn't it? <laughs> money, money. Yeah. <laughs> so what's been the most rewarding for you? Oh, you know, it's just so amazing to see people blossom, to see people who, um, you know, like Rose, who she was too afraid to even think about maybe doing gardening for people that you know, to have her own like little business and to, to do the gardening work for them, too afraid to do it. And then to have her confidence built over time and to see her making up business cards and to have her make up a song related to the, the gardening work that we were doing. So she went from like, oh, this is too scary to... I'm going to sing a song about what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, it was just spectacular. So you know a lot about being a healthy caregiver, but are you susceptible to burnout as well? I mean, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, absolutely. I am susceptible to mm. burnout. I um, There was one time Rose and I had gone to the theater to watch this movie called The Biggest Little Farm. And she was having a hard time. Um, she had some some habits that it was because of a virus she had, and she would keep um, scratching her head. And I had worked too much. I realized that I had too many hours that I was with her, and I just I I wasn't patient with her like I would have wanted to be. And I realized too late that. Um, she was doing this, pulling at her hair, which was driving me crazy, but she wasn't making a lot of times she'll make this suckling sound <laughs> and she wasn't doing that during the movie at all. The hair pulling wasn't bothering anyone else except for me. <laughs> and she wasn't bothering anybody with that sound. So I just, I, I have to come to, to an awareness of, what is an amount of time that I need to rest in between caregiving? And, and that always happens when I overdo the wait, I've, I have no patience here mm. and looking back, it's because I've overdone. So then, you know, I adjust my schedule and don't overbook. Wow. So how do you keep it uh, joyful and creative when you're dealing with uh, these mentorees that you're mentoring? Well, you know, I, I try to keep <clears throat> focused on what is important to them. 
And within that to also push boundaries a little bit. So, you know, like the one young man, David really wants to go to Hawaii. And right now that's not possible. Yeah. Hawaii. I would love to also. (laughs) (laughs) And so right now that isn't Mm. possible, but how can we get close to going to Hawaii? So we made a volcano together and um, had that erupt with baking soda and um, and vinegar. We went to a spa that had, you know, the hot pools and waterfalls. So it's keeping the focus on what they want and also pushing the limits to because like he'd never experienced making a volcano. He'd never experienced going to a spa. So it's just follow their passion, but push their limits so that they can keep uh-huh. experiencing mm. new things. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense, Adrian? Absolutely. I mean, you, you're showing them all different facets of the world and how, how they accept it, mm. you know, what, yeah. what they want to take away from it. That's right. Yeah. And I, you know, I do writing helped me a lot. So days when I was frustrated, I'd come home and write what happened and analyze and reflect. And so that's, you know, what my book does is it tells stories. And then at the end, there's tools for people who are caregiving so that they can reflect, well, how am I creating my schedule? So I have enough reflection time, enough, um, nature and movement time, you know, asking the readers questions so they reflect on their life. Because it's it's good to read a story, but in the end, it's all about the person reading and how they can use that in their lives. Yeah. So you must be selling a lot of books in order to donate so much that you can build a school over there. Uh, where did you get the idea to take the profits from your book and do something like that, especially in Haiti? Well, um, I've been back and forth to Haiti 13 times. I have my daughter lived there for two and a half years, getting the school started. I'm jealous. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when I go to Haiti and I see how the people are living in shacks, um, you know, (sighs) one woman, their, their roof, the one of the students that we mentored her grandmother's roof was leaking and we bought a $25 tarp. Mm. And when we brought it to her, she was crying, thanking us, praising the Lord. And you know what $25 does in Haiti, you know, it, it means so much. I I'm, I'm very lucky that I can donate all the funds to the school. You know, I'm embarrassed when we first went there, we have two small houses, one at a lake and one little one in the city where we have gardens. And I'm like, we have to sell one of those houses. We can't have two houses. And, you know, I just felt so guilty Guilty. (laughs) that we have so much and they have so little. And so it just, it makes sense that all the money would go to them and, it just feels so good. So people sponsor a student at the school in Haiti, and then they can join our circles. We have a, a circle with different themes all the time where we support each other. And then there's another writing circle where people who are 
you know, wanting oh. to write more <clears throat> and express themselves, get support that way. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win. They're supporting a school uh, student in Haiti, and they're also in a circle that supports themselves. Wow. Well, what is it that you want uh, people to get out of the book? Because we're running up, we're running out of time, and uh, and then you can tell us uh, how they can get a hold of you and how they can get the book. All right, hmm. great. Well, the main thing is with the book, I want people to have their lives improved and for them to have their hearts blooming, to read these challenging stories and to read how there are answers, how there always is hope and solutions and to find those in their lives and and just to love and uh, and appreciate themselves no matter where they are. We're all all beautiful works in progress. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so if anyone wants to check in with me, you can go to heartsblooming.org and there's books and information about our circles. Would love to have uh, anyone reach out to me. Great. Well, I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. You're an amazing person. You're doing amazing things. And, and uh, Adrian, how can listeners uh, get a hold of you? Uh, they can go to Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org for my email and uh, just go to and go to any of the um, social media pages that we're on and you'll find out what it's all about. Yeah. She has great chats going on there. Um, also remember that uh, all our live shows become recorded podcasts on your favorite platforms that I mentioned earlier. And you can purchase my number one newly released book, which Maria is going to do. And I'm going to purchase hers, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times. Great book that's changing lives all over the world. It's available wherever books are sold. And my website, caregiverdave.com, available in Kindle, Audible, paperback, and hardcover. And uh, our our membership website, caregiverdave.com, is a free membership support community. Lots of tools, resources, free gifts. Check out our Facebook page, Caregiver Dave, community of 34,000. Adrian has her caregiver page, her caregiver page, her Facebook page, uh, 168,000 are right in that neighborhood, uh, the caregiver space. And if you click the like button on whatever platform you're watching or listening, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. And thank you all for coming in every week and making us the number one caregiver podcast. So until next week, same time, same channel, may God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Maria. It was a great show. And we have to move on to the next show now. So I will send you you the the links for the video and the audio and even my book and send me a link of how I can uh, pick up a Kindle on your book. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Great to meet you, Adrian. <laughs> Me too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye, Dave. Bye, Adrian. Bye-bye. Bye. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. 
You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Keep breathing, take it in and let it out. Keep Don't